From multiple independent news stations in Minneapolis or near enough, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk gaming and game development. I'm Ellen Burns-Johnson, and I make nice games. I'm Stephen McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Martha Croy, I too make nice games. In this episode, your nice hosts bring to you a nice games bulletin, where we discuss the latest news from the broader world of video games, or at least as latest as we are able. And so, if everyone is ready... Let's start. All right. First piece of news in this news episode is uh, this is Ellen's first episode as permanent host of Nice Games Club. Yeah. <laughs> she's, so, she's so uh, excited. Stephen and I are just going to head out and you, you can take care of it from here, I think. I'm the worst person to do the Games Bulletin episodes. The worst. Yeah. We've discussed many times that I'm always out of touch. Oh, that's right. We had you on for the last bulletin episode we did. Yep. Like a month ago or whatever. And <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, my main my main contributions to these are going to be gasp. Wow. No way. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, I mean, there's a part for everyone to play in, this, uh, <laughs> in the drama of life, right? Right. <laughs> uh, but we got some um, first a, a bit of news that's now passed uh, by the time you've heard this. So. Uh, we'll put it up here at the top. Uh, GDQ held a special uh, event off their normal schedule. Steven, you know about this, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. the Corona Relief Done Quick. Um, it was mm-hmm. just a weekend thing, uh, just like Friday through Sunday. Um, but, it, I mean, everybody was doing it from home. And it was kind of interesting because, like, if you've watched a regular Awesome Games Done Quick, it's all, you know, done uh, in Minneapolis or this other place. I can't remember. Um, and, uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's not as important as Minneapolis. And, uh, <laughs> and, um, it's, uh, it like, you know, it's in person and there's a whole, a whole crowd and stuff. And like, it's part of the event. It's like, you can see, uh, the crowd reacting to all of the cool things and everybody applauds when there's a really nice thing that, or cool thing that happens on screen, but you can't really see that, um, and this cause it's all online. Um, a lot of the streamers, a lot of the people who are in the stream, um, they are regular Twitch streamers. Like they stream themselves running these games, anyways. So like they know how to entertain people while they're running games. They know how to talk about the games, anyways. Um, so like it was still entertaining. It was just entertaining for different reasons. Um, yeah, so it was kind of yeah, cool yeah. to see that. And it's still go- when we're recording this, it's still going on for a couple hours. Yes, yes, right. Yes. Um, and uh, you, how much of it did you watch? Did you I only watched a, a few. Or? I only watched a few of them on Friday, really. I had intended to watch more, but um, I, I haven't yet. I was planning on donating, too, so I still need to do that. Yeah. Um, but, like, it was it was, in- it was really entertaining to see the stuff I did see. I saw, like, a Halo run that was pretty cool. Like, the guy was really uh, was really uh, calming while he was talking about shooting all these aliens <laughs> in the face. <laughs> um, nice. And then there was this there was this um, Sonic Mania run that was, that was like, the, the runner was constantly talking and he like didn't take any breaths or almost only took like three breaks to like drink a little bit of water it was so fast fast. paced it was the best (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah it was cool um ellen do you ever watch these uh games on quick events uh a little bit and uh my husband and his friend um whose tag was star surfer they did a little bit of speed running a a year or so ago and i think they uh applied they were running goof troop uh-huh. which okay. was pretty cool we, yeah so i have never done it it's not really my thing but it's definitely the kind of thing that i like to watch yeah yeah 
there is that uh category of like silly games right like i watched a run of seven up spot oh yeah um which is a game i i rented from blockbuster when i was a kid uh-huh. more than once and <laughs> and uh so seeing that it's like oh actually it's not not a bad game and uh but of course the whole point of speed running is to break something so what however good it was to begin with is basically irrelevant mm-hmm. yeah that's very right? true <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, they'll talk about it like they'll talk about the difference between somebody who's like casually running a game, which is us regular plebs who just play a game and don't know how to break it. <laughs> and then they'll talk about like, uh, you know, like speed runners who like are intentionally trying to break the game. And they'll talk about this game like is good for speed running. And so, you know, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Right. It's condu- conducive to that kind of right. Because there's certain games that like in order to pl- in order to beat it quickly, you just have to be good at the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And speedrunners are not interested in that. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. They want something more than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what else happened recently? We played Star Trek online again. Yes. The past couple of weeks. We've been playing some sessions and that has kind of replaced uh, something that some, a lot of us used to do, which we would get together and do like uh, tabletop role playing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we, it was a, we were playing Star Trek Adventures. Yeah, uh, and we've so we've, it looks like we replaced that with Star Trek Online. <laughs> not not a, quite the same experience, right. right? It's quite different. Now that we've done a couple of these uh, sessions, uh, what's your take so far? Um, uh, it, it, it's getting more interesting. I feel like MMOs yeah. always start off slow. I feel like the yeah. the the better MMOs like give you a bunch of things to do pretty quickly, like after an hour yeah. or two of play. Um, I feel like. Star Trek Online is taking longer to ramp up. It might just be we're taking slower to get through the game, too. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we're all kind of moving in lockstep. Right. Um, but also, and this is a thing, because there's, like, so many menus. It's yeah. like, yeah. and this is just an MMO thing, and I, I'm sure I've complained about on the show before, but, like, these are not well-designed programs. Like, mm. they're hard to get around. They, everything's a menu, and it's all a floating window. And it's like, are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> like, they can't. They can't make a design decision. It's not really. They just make it's it. not really clear in the interface design what information is most important, and it's yeah. just kind of all thrown at you. Yep. At the beginning, and then there'll be these little tool tips that'll pop up, and it'll be like, "Click this for fleet operations," and I'm like, "Why?" Like, <laughs> right. Like, like I guess now I know what, 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 which of these 800 buttons is fleet operations, but okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah here are your here are your ship stats down to you know there are 18 percentages you can be following. Right now, all of your percentages are zero because you're not high enough level to care. But you yeah. can get there in two button clicks, just in case. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is yeah. pretty funny. The combat has gotten more interesting as we played through it, though. Like I was getting into the ship combat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's um it's not that it's that it's really not that difficult. You can really like spec it out and go crazy with it, like in the old MMO. Mm. But the rules, it, it, you can play it kind of tactically. Like it's a proper video game, yeah, which is <laughs> appealing to me, yeah. And we're all, you know, all we're all in it, like you know, uh, choosing our targets and you know, picking strategies. And it's uh, it's slow, which is kind of nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can all kind of chat as we're playing. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I, I'm definitely. I think we've all sort of like in the last session or two, we've all been like, you know what, this is actually fun. <laughs> or we spent most of the first two sessions just making fun of everything. Yeah, like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it took a while to get and like the foot combat is getting more interesting now that I have more skills to use. Yeah, it hasn't. I haven't really needed to use the skills yet, but like, yeah, it's kind of nice. Yeah, you're you're setting up portal shield generators and stuff. Yeah, and, and we're, none of us are using them. And <laughs> <laughs> Basically, <laughs> yeah, and that seems pretty standard for you know MMOs too. Like because you don't start out with many abilities, and so you're kind of just toggling between two. Are you yep. shooting with your phaser rifle or just your phaser phaser? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm. 
Uh, yeah, I haven't really cottoned onto the um, the ground combat stuff. Like, it's not. I'm not feeling it yet. Okay. But uh, it seems to be a good mix between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've got, you know, uh, because we're, we're playing it together in the, like a, a squad of five, mm-hmm. like I don't have to be that good at it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's true. <laughs> it's kind of working out okay. It's definitely enjoyable to, because the pace of the game is slow enough, it is kind of just nice as just a social activity. Mm-hmm. And I'm starting to understand why people like MMOs mm-hmm. because it's, it is just literally something to do. Yeah, that's totally it. Yeah. Which is like, it's kind of like faint praise, but it actually is a real asset. Yeah. A game like that mm-hmm. if you're playing with friends mm-hmm. right um on voice chat particularly yeah yeah for sure i will say that for ground combat it wasn't really clicking for me until i switched into fps mode yeah 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 that was a big deal for me although it's still kind of a pain because if you have to interact with any other parts of the interface you have to switch <laughs> out yeah so there's like a button you gotta press and you have to quickly switch modes so you can get your mouse cursor back yeah yeah but it's that did make it a little easier to navigate but mm-hmm. it's, I don't know, it's kind of cool to be able to have, it's almost like two games in one. You're kind of doing a lot of, there's a lot you can do with your ship. There's a lot you can do with yeah. your character. It's, yeah, it's really going to be fun. Yeah. But absolutely the most fun is being able to just like goof off around the galaxy with your buddies. Yeah. Yes, yes. Jump around the star base, put on various clothes, like at the front of the tailor shop, yep. yeah. different uniforms. It is pretty silly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Steven, you were saying it's kind of like the pace is kind of slow in terms of like getting to learn all the all the things, not just the moment moment gameplay. And I think I just figured out why, which is that the way the game works is we're on like a, a linear story path. Oh, so yeah. every time we, every time we complete a mission, we're all like, okay, have we, if we exited the tutorial now, can we now uh, pick from dozens of missions available in the world? But it, the game is structured where it is a storyline. Mm. You play the next mission, the next mission, the next mission. And there are like side quests, but they're very slight. Yeah. It really, this is a game that wants you to just go on the straight path all the way through. And then there are, there's other campaigns and storylines once you're done with that. Right. Which actually, as someone who enjoys single player games, I'm actually kind of like, oh, I, that's my speed. Like, I can do that. Yeah. You know? Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I'm just, um, I, I'm reminded of, I used to play when I was much younger, when I was like 13 or something, I played this MMO called Maple Story. I think it's still popular, but like, it took forever to grind up to get any skills. So, like, mm-hmm. I, I think I was still, like, level 10 after playing it for, like, three months. Mm. <laughs> yeah. and like, I, I, I don't know it. if that's a low level or not. I played it. It's a pretty low level. And I played okay. it a lot, too. So, it wasn't, like, yeah. it wasn't like I played it once every weekend or something. Right, right. And, like, yeah, the skills you gained was really slow, too. So, like, I remember back then, but, like, uh, I remember now, like, a friend of mine played it, like, maybe 10 years ago or something. Or not ten years ago, ten years after I was, I played it, and they leveled up like immediately. They got to level ten within that night or something. Right. So, <laughs> so I think MMOs are trending more towards you know leveling up, leveling you up quickly and giving you more skills more quickly now, so you can right, do right. more things if you want to. Yeah, and there's like convenience features. Like if you're in a squad, you can if you're not if you're a lower level, there's a button to press where you can just temporarily be at their level. Yeah. And uh, the thing I discovered with this storyline thing is if you if you missed out on something playing with the friends, you can skip a mission and go to the next one. Ah. Um, so that's kind of nice. Yeah, uh, Ellen, you played uh, WoW, right? I did. Tell us about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know so little about World of Warcraft <laughs> other than it's been a topic of industry conversation for like 20 years. Yeah, <laughs> decades. It was the first MMO I ever played. And I remember being incredibly lost in the world when I first started and I started uh, several months after I met Eric, my, my husband now, my then not husband, 
and he kind of encouraged me to play. And so he was already like max level when I started playing. Um, and he had a guild and he was pretty engaged with it. And the guild itself was very engaged in doing a lot of the end game content. But that meant like it was just kind of me running around by myself and mm. picked up one, one buddy along the way and we kind of leveled together. But that was the biggest thing. I remember just feeling so lost in the map at the beginning of the game mm. and not knowing how to get to the quests and then going to the place where they said the quest would be and not seeing any of the things that I needed <laughs> to do. So I remember it going really slow at the beginning too, just because I didn't know how to read read the interface or read the tools or even really interpret what the directions meant. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say like, it's probably because I've got a lot more experience with MMOs now. Um, but I didn't have that same frustration with Star Trek online. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Thinking like from a designer perspective, like we've all been drilling into ourselves, like things need to be digestible and understandable and complex systems need to be introduced in a way that, and like MMOs are never any of those things. <laughs> yeah. And, but and even when it comes to like taking forever to get to the good stuff as an MMO designer, you must have it in your head that a player is going to be playing it for a long time. Mm -hmm. And so one, you, they have the time to figure it out, which isn't really an excuse, but apparently it's a good enough excuse. But then also you kind of have to prevent your players from getting to the meat of it. Otherwise they'll get through it quickly and leave. Mm -hmm. Right. And not just about like all the content, but you have to have them get invested in everything before you give them like the first taste of victory. Right. Uh, Cause otherwise, otherwise that will satisfy them. Mm -hmm. Right. Even if there's, even if there's much more content. Well, yeah. And if you give them too much content right away, then they'll, it'll be too daunting and they'll, you know, bounce off of it pretty quick too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is, this is probably a topic for an entirely different show, but you know, you, how much can you rely upon the community of players to continue to draw people in, right? Because it's not just the game. Yeah. It's not just the story that you're telling with the game or the options you have or the world that you've built. You've also, that world includes, you know, other players. And yeah. had there not been a bunch of other players for me to uh, interact with, I definitely wouldn't have continued playing that. I just didn't have the investment in the series, I think, to figure it out. Mm -hmm. But because I knew so many people who were engaged and who could help me along the way, that is a big part of what drew me in. And the designers are counting on that. Yeah. But right, like, yeah. how do they decide how much they should count on it? Yeah. Oh, man, that's actually a really fascinating topic. But we should talk about news. <laughs> yeah, let's let's bookmark that one for later. Because yeah. I'm thinking about like open world game design, too, because there's mm -hmm. a there's a sort of a design idea I have for an open world game and I'm not a big fan of open world games. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I want to, if I wanted to engage in like designing something like that, I would want to do a lot of research. And the first step of that would be to be talking about it on the show, I think. Yeah. So we'll, uh, we'll, uh, MMO design, open world design. We'll, uh, we'll get into that, uh, at some point. We'll put a pin in it. Boop. Uh, but now let's get into the uh, the news of the day, and we start off with about recent releases that came out in the past month that are coming out soon. It's not an exhaustive list; it's just stuff that's new to us. Yeah. The first batch of these are remakes. Um, so the Final Fantasy VII remake is out. Um, it came out just a few days ago where we're sitting, and uh, along with it, uh, Persona Five R, which I guess is remastered or reloaded or it's i think some, it has additional content or something in it too oh it's it's royal it's just it's just some random word yeah. anyway it's a remake <laughs> it's a it's a it's a new edition right right 
And then uh, Saints Row 4, which is a game that's now a fa- not old, but oldish. Mm-hmm. Uh, that got a that got a, re- a, a re-release with updated, uh, like a remastered version. Cool. And then uh, Doom 64, uh, that came out back when uh, uh, Doom Eternal came out. It was a day and date thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but apparently Doom 64 is a, is a sort of a... An un- a slightly different version of the of the original Doom that has its own set of fans, oh. which I was reading about a little bit. And anyway, but it's part of this batch of just like remakes and re-releases that are, that are all coming out. It's sort of an interesting trend hmm. that is sort of different, maybe from the sort of like I remember when like um well like Shadow of the Colossus got a a, a re-release. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was before it then later got remade. Yeah. Um, but like that area of of, of remasters or like Super Mario All Stars. It, that feels different from what's happening now. Right. Am, am I imagining things? No, no, I think you're right. It's like, well, I mean, the Final Fantasy one specifically is like a new game completely. It like takes the right. old one and revamps it in a way that it was like almost completely different. Aside from like the feelings and emotions and the narrative of the original mm-hmm. game. Stories and the characters. Yeah. It's a remake in the sense that like a a movie reboot is. Yeah, exactly. Where, yeah. where it, it's all completely brand new yeah and i mean they've been doing that for like games um more recently like tomb raider got rebooted and uh god of war got rebooted and a bunch of other stuff you know Mm -hmm. so like well that's different though right because like that kind of reboot is is like uh is is a reboot right it's a brand new game with the same story and or the same uh uh, setting and characters Mm -hmm. And maybe even a, a, a retelling of the same story, but not a beat for beat kind of thing. Yeah. Like the Final Fantasy remake, um, even though it's like wildly expanded. Yeah. And I guess this is the time to point out that it's like a third of the game. Oh, uh, yeah. The original right. game. There's more. But it's also it. like a 40 hour game. So mm-hmm. it's plenty of game. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's part one of of question mark. Right. Um, but it is um, it, it is it is like a beat for beat. Re- it's like the same script. Yeah. yeah. That's true. Um, which is which is different, I suppose, than than like a, like, like the Tomb Raider reboot. It's yeah, like, that's it's right. like restaging a play. Like you're restaging a play. Yeah. In with a different set and with a different cast. Or a yeah. Di- yeah, that's a really good way to describe it. Yeah. That's huh. Good. It is fascinating. Yeah, but there are a lot of remakes being made. Yeah, and I think it's like video games now have enough history to draw on. Mm-hmm. I think for the, only only now, right? For, yeah. for that to not not be ridiculous. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, movies have been doing this for years, though, right? Like they've been rebooting yes. and remaking things. So mostly Spider-Man, though. <laughs> mostly Spider-Man. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> I mean, the the first movie remakes were in the 1920s. You know? Oh, like yeah, yeah like uh, the the uh, so it's it's a it's a, a a strategy that artists have been using for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Huh. It's fascinating. Yeah. Huh. Uh, what else happened? Not uh, some other things came out, I guess. But the other news in releases is stuff got delayed. Yeah. Um, and that's because, of course, the worldwide pandemic, COVID-19 mm-hmm. is impacting all of us. This is not news, I'm sure, to listeners. Um, in fact, a lot of these are probably not news because they're, they're sort of a big deal. Like Last of Us 2 um, is probably the biggest of these that got delayed indefinitely. Right. Right. It, not just pushing it out two months, not scheduling it for holiday. They just don't have a date for it. Mm-hmm. And it was supposed to come out in May, I think, originally. I think. Something. I don't remember exactly, but, but you know, springish. Very soon, yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, were either of you looking forward to this game? Um, I was. Uh, I was not looking forward to playing it. I was mainly just going to watch my brother <laughs> play it. <laughs> right. I watched him play through the first Last of Us, and I liked watching it. Um, so, yeah. like, um, 
but it's like uh, it, I, it doesn't seem like my kind of game. I guess mm-hmm. it's like very cinematic and stuff, like the Uncharted games. Like Naughty Dog tends yeah. to make games, so uh, mm-hmm. and I, I tend to not like largely cinematic games in that way. Um, but I like watching them enough, and so like I was I was looking forward to watching the story and watching Ellie go through whatever it is she ends up going through. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, <laughs> piles and piles of dead bodies, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, I, I'm, so I'm, but I wasn't like disappointed because like, um, with this, uh, you know, with this pandemic happening, I wasn't really going to be able to watch my brother play the game anyways. So I'm okay with it getting delayed. Right. Everything's on hold, including our anticipations. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) True. And so sad when you say it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) But you know, the thing of not putting a date on this is sort of, we're now at the point now where the... We're in this, we've been in this long enough now to know that it's kind of a fool's errand to set, to like pick a new date, right? Yeah. There's still so many unknowns. Right. Um, you know, the, it's like, uh, the, the, we're at the point now where people are feeling pretty comfortable or, or uh, is saying that we've like started to flatten the curve, but like, there's no, no one knows what the last chapter of this thing looks mm-hmm. like. Right. Um, so it's not, it's not quite the, um, the midway point of the story that a lot of people um, wish that it was, I yeah. suppose. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if you're a big corporation and you've got a flagship product, you know, it's it's not just an issue of of like, uh, you know, making sure that pe- it's safe to go to a GameStop, which is, I'm sure, a, a one reason why a lot of games are delayed is cust- companies don't want to feel responsible for people going out when they're not supposed to. Right. Um, but also, like, there's just not going to be the customer base. They're, you're not going to make the money you want to make. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, just put everything on hold for now, mm-hmm. and it's a it's a little bit crass, but it's not the wrong attitude. Yeah, I think that the, the biggest concern I have about a game like Last of Us Two is that it's the the final hurrah for the PS4. Mm-hmm. Oh, the the PS5 is on schedule for holiday. I mean, who's who knows what'll happen then? Mm-hmm. It'll be weird if Last of Us comes out in October or even like as late as February. Like, well, are they? They're probably planning a PS5 version, right? Yeah. They yeah. had to have. Yeah. But what happens if that's the version that comes out? Maybe they could release it in August. All, all things, you know, it, let's imagine a universe where they could. Mm-hmm. Maybe they'll further delay it so that they can ramp up their marketing and make it a PS5 launch title. You know? Mm-hmm. Possibly. Yeah. Oh, they've done that for Zelda games in the past. Yeah. More, more than one Zelda game <laughs> yeah. has been that way, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> so it could happen. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, The Last of Us was the final hurrah for the PS3. Oh, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. There was a PS4 remaster, but it wasn't for a couple years later. Right. Um, but it was a PS3 game, mm. and it was like showed off the power of the cell architecture <laughs> b- before they took it out to the woodshed and destroyed it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you done good, PS3. You done good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a pair of Marvel games got delayed. Uh, Iron Man VR, which I think Sega is making. Uh, I'm not even going to look it up. I'm just guessing that. I might be wrong. Sure. Um, that uh, I, people are like, oh yeah, that sounds awesome, but I haven't read a lot or seen a lot about that game. Uh, and then Marvel's Avengers, which is Square Enix's big, um, I guess it's like a Destiny style game. We've talked about it on the show before that I don't that we haven't we can't really get our minds around what this Avengers game is. Yeah. Um, but it also doesn't have a date, as far as I know. Um, I'm not. I don't remember when it was originally supposed to come out, but it's definitely been delayed. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's interesting. I mean, people are just gonna have to put, just gonna have to su- suffice with Animal Crossing all summer, which <laughs> most people can. It's the only game out there right now. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. I mean, according to Twitter, 
<laughs> yeah. More people should play Neo 2. Because <laughs> that's, that's out now, yeah. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, so Half-Life Alex did come out. Yeah. As hugely anticipated. Mm-hmm. Um, people were trying to, um, as they were beginning to shelter in place, people were like, oh, now's the time to get a VR headset Yeah. And uh, for Half-Life Alex. Um, and it has been really, really well reviewed. Mm-hmm. Um, I still haven't picked up a copy. I'm a huge VR evangelist, but I don't never played a Half-Life and I don't like horror. I want to pull the trigger on it, but I just haven't brought myself to do it yet. Mm-hmm. It looks scary as heck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. My my friend uh, has a has a Vive and has you know spent a lot of money since he first got it on upgrades, and so I think he's got a good system. I don't remember if he's gone fully wireless yet, but he's been playing Alex and he's been like showing me clips and things like that. And <laughs> I like watching them on the flat screen of a YouTube. like the idea of that stuff flying at me in vr is a little bit terrifying on the other hand that's part of the appeal right yes yeah um i've I've seen clips of people holding like the head crabs um like up close to the camera little spinies (laughs) and it's like that's it's kind of incredible i mean like uh, i don't like horror games but i'm not I, i don't think that a game like that would frighten me too much i'm I'm too much in my own head to be fully immersed in 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 horror games, really. Mm. But I just, I, it's like I don't like the grim darkness of it. I suppose. Sure. Um. I mean, well, I mean, one day I'll play it and it will scare me, and and I'll I'll I'll, I'll know for real. <laughs> um. But uh. But you know, I've been uh, I have a I have a pair of those knuckles controllers. Right. Um, that that I did a little bit of development with. They're 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 dev versions, but they're pretty much the same as the final shipping one. So even though I don't have an an, an index headset, I've got. I've got the tools to play it the way it was meant to be played. Mm-hmm. So I kind of feel like I owe it to VR. <laughs> I don't know. Gotta uh, make check the... back in with me, uh, but you know, sometime in the future, maybe I'll have gotten around to it. Yeah. Got to make the yearly sacrifice to VR overlord. Yep. <laughs> Man, like that, you know, that last uh, six to eight months of working on widget satchel. Right. I played almost, I and mean, I, I complained about it on the show a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I played almost no games. Right. Um, I, and, and VR, I didn't play any VR. Mm-hmm maybe in maybe in all of 2019 um and it's and so like i have that pang of guilt like i look at the the box in the corner with the multiple headsets that i own (laughs) (laughs) collecting dust and i'm like oh i'm 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 a bad vr person um so this just is exacerbated a little bit uh in speaking of other things i want really badly um uh, is the switch light has a new color and it's the cutest they call it coral it's kind of this sort of like uh, pinkish uh, mauve color. Mm-hmm. It's so cute. I want it. <laughs> anyway, that's out now. But there's a, it's hard to get your hands on any Switch right now because they're all uh, backordered. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, you know, it's, it's hard to know what the reason is for it. Is it because uh, everyone, um, you know, is now sheltered in place and needs a video game system? Uh, is it just a coincidence? But apparently it has to do a lot with like resellers. Uh, they... Um, like resellers will uh, use uh, bots to buy up stock on mm. places like Amazon and and even eBay, and mm. uh, it ends up kind of taking it off the market. So I saw on Twitter um, this is also happening for Oculus Quest. Oh. Um, I saw on Twitter someone said like, uh, "Hey, the the Quests are back in stock," and it was like a tweet from two minutes ago. And I'm like, eh, "That's the one headset I don't know. Let me just check to see because maybe I'll just uh, click the button. They're all sold out again." Wow, yeah, like, two minutes. It's later. kind of amazing. Yeah, and I don't know if it's um, you know, it's it's production having issues. Um, is it demand is is higher? Is it just the 
a, a coincidence that just happens to be during this unusual time. It's hard to eliminate the variables and mm. know what's going on. Yeah, I don't know. That's yeah. I, uh, I'm curious to see if people will like be able to deduce why there is a shortage like there is. Like the switch is popular, but it hasn't been so popular that it it's like we levels of can't find it. So yeah, I mean you can you've always been able to find one on sh- on shelves or online. Yeah. It's never been an issue, and then suddenly it's an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know uh, uh, certainly manufacturing capacity is extremely reduced all around the world right now. Right. Um, and that's something that's going to be affecting uh, PS5 and Xbox Series X. But like uh, the switches you buy on a shelf today were made months ago. Right. Yeah. You know. Um. So it's not you know. Yeah. Uh, it's it is a bit of a mystery. <laughs> yeah. It's not like you order your switch and then they make it and ship it to you. Yeah. yeah, that's not how it works. Right. I did really read a really cool story about someone who had um, not as any practical matter, but they ended up they bought all the components of a switch from, you know, how you can buy like a replacement screen for a cell phone. Yeah. And you don't you don't buy it from Samsung. You buy it from uh, some retailer in Hong Kong who like they fell off the back of a truck or something. You uh. know what I mean? Or, or they were just the manufacturing plant because like Samsung or Apple or whoever, they don't actually manufacture their own products. Third parties do. Right. So there ends up being a lot of excess inventory mm-hmm. that is produced by these companies. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, uh, and so it ends up getting out in the market, right? This is not, it seems shady and it's maybe a little shady, but anyway, point is, is someone was able to buy all the parts that they needed to make a switch and they built it themselves. Oh, adorable. Wow. <laughs> it required a, quite a bit of soldering and, and and some, but like it looks just like a retail product. Oh, I'm, maybe maybe a little, little creaky in the edges, yeah. but I found that really fascinating because the things like the logic board and like uh, does it does it ship with firmware installed on it? Like I I don't know. I didn't read far enough into the article about describing it, but yeah. it just seems like an, an amazing little project. Yeah, probably wow. invalidates the warranty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely yeah, does. <laughs> well, it probably doesn't have a serial number. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> this poor little yeah. off the grid switch. Yeah, yeah. People have done that with cell phones too. Yeah. Like, uh, um, uh, it's uh, apparently it's a little hobby that exists in the in the corner of the most uh, I- um, industrious uh, um, maker community. <laughs> That's cool. Mm. One of those things that I could never really see myself getting into, but I'm really glad someone does it. <laughs> yes yeah. yes that's it's a really good way to describe it it gives me warm fuzzies <laughs> to think that someone is you know like frankensteining their own little switch together yeah mm-hmm. so cute someone someone put together a, a coral switch light and uh and sent it my way <laughs> <laughs> the franken switch yeah yeah it's definitely a thing i don't need i just want it yeah <laughs> <laughs> This just in. You can give Nice Games Club feedback on our feedback form. NiceGames.club slash feedback. It's important, and we like getting that information so we can iterate off of that. Um, so help us out. So, I mean, that sounds like that's great for us. But <laughs> it is. <laughs> if, I, if I'm a, listen, if I'm a listener, what, what's in it for me? Why, why would I want to tell uh, you, you, Yahoo's, what I think? <laughs> We can use your information to make the show better for you as a listener. Um, so, for instance, if you wanted us to talk about a specific topic um, that we haven't gotten to yet on the show, that would be very valuable feedback for us to see. Yeah, that's good. And, you know, if you have other comments about the show, things we're doing right, things you want us to know, 
uh, stories about uh, your experience with it. And of course, we have a lot of uh, qualitative questions as well. So if you just don't, if you don't want to like type out a whole war and peace about it, uh, you can just click a couple of uh, 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 answers to questions that care- uh, Stephen carefully uh, put together, yeah. and just helps us give a, a better picture of our, our audience, which will make the show better. Yeah, for sure. I was going to say, if you do type out a war and peace, I promise I will read it. <laughs> This is also a perfect opportunity to uh, let us know uh, how happy you are that Ellen has joined the club. <laughs> yes. Yeah, do that. <laughs> so remember, nicegames.club slash feedback. All right, into news proper. Stuff happened. Yes, I think. In so far that things happen anymore. <laughs> <laughs> right. Things <laughs> do happen still. Yeah. As far as we know. Uh, first thing, uh, a couple of events news. Uh, I know you're thinking, how is that possible? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, uh, it, it'll make sense because they're both ridiculous. Uh, the first one is uh, GDC Summer, which is the name of a, uh, a smaller version of GDC mm-hmm. that uh, they, uh, GDC was saying uh, they wanted to hold uh, in the late summer. Like uh, August is when they want to do it. That's and, um uh, the tickets are on sale now, so you can, uh, if you're uh, really irresponsible, you can go ahead and get your, pick yourself up one. <laughs> we, t- we talked about this when they announced the existence of this as an idea, and back then it seemed kind of like optimistic, right? Yeah. Like uh, we had mentioned that, but um, as the weeks went on since then, it became preposterous, basically, right. uh, to plan an event uh, uh, in that time. I mean, you know. It could it could go well, but the problem is is even if an event could be held by early August, now no one was going to buy a ticket for it. Now, yeah, exactly, right. And even even like if you got if we got yeah if we got to the point where um, in August you could you know go to the thing, there's like time to prepare, especially how expensive GDC is. I know that GDC yeah, yeah. summer is cheaper this time um, than previous GDCs, but like it's still a whole thing, and you got to travel, got to get your tickets, got to get. Plane tickets, got to get uh, hotels and stuff. It's like, yeah, it's a lot. I mean, for the normal GDC, people plan months and months in advance yeah. mm-hmm. in order to not uh, lose all their money uh, mm-hmm. planning their trip. And, you know, this would cost even this is going to cost a lot less, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but it's still people would need to be planning now or weeks ago if they were doing this the normal way. Right. And it's just I don't know who is in the mood for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow, let alone in August. You know, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. So. Right. It's still, it's a it's a lower cost, but it's still a lot of investment of time, money, effort to get ready for something that is a big question mark. Even if it happens, what yep. that experience is going to be is ill defined. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the only benefit of the doubt I, I'll give uh, GDC here is that you know they announced they were going to do this thing. Like they're kind of just making good on what they said they were going to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, I mean, it, I'm sure they're not happy. Uh, I'm sure they wish they might have said like, you know, GDC uh, early fall or early winter or something. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. GDC sometime. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I think they're just trying to keep the train going until it's probably too late. But I, yeah, I just don't know that it's going to work out. Yeah. Um, I, like I've talked about in previous episodes when you mentioned this, like I would like to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just I, I, I lost money on uh, all the cancellations from the last one. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I'm not really in a position as excited I am and maybe as optimistic as I'd like to be about it being safe. I just even in the most 
optimistic scenario, I can't book a hotel right now. Right. Yeah. Uh, just as a practical matter. And yeah. so that is kind of frustrating. And I'm sure, I'm sure they know that, but they just, they're going to say like, well, we said we were going to hold it then. We, if we just waited until mid July to finalize these plans, then it would be even worse, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt, I guess, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure how much of that they've earned. I mean, it, honestly, it's really difficult to be an event poster um, in yeah. these times because, like, you just you have to cancel your event, and so like all of that planning and stuff that you could prepare for the event is you know goes down the tubes, and like that's a yeah. lot of money lost and stuff. So I imagine DDC is probably trying to recoup some of the costs by doing this, and like um, they're trying to be, you know, his, they're trying to get. Uh, get their returns back somehow. Yeah. This is the way they it, can. It, it could be that part of, um, you know, the Moscone Center, the, booking that later date might have been very cheap for them. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they might have, or it might have been harder to get a refund on, on their existing expenses when they canceled GDC. And, and so this was a better option for them, even if, even at the time, maybe they were like, this is probably never going to happen, yeah. but let's just roll the dice or something. Yeah. I don't know. But speaking of cancellations, uh, Comic-Con, which is sort of just tangentially related to what we do, is, was finally canceled uh, wow. the week of this recording. Like, and that was just supposed to happen relatively shortly. Mm-hmm. The, basically, every news article about it was like, Comic- uh, Comic-Con finally like, figures it out. Or like, they finally <laughs> uh, they, they, they stopped lying to themselves and they finally canceled the thing. Yeah. But you can imagine there's probably a, a fair number of people who... You know, one of the things we do in times like this is we look for people to trust, right? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, if that can't be, you know, depending on, uh, you know, your municipalities, your state and your country, you know, uh, sometimes that's not government, right? And sometimes you look at to industry or you look to your community as a source of trust. And so hey. if you're someone who is like deep into Comic-Con culture and it's still going on, I could see someone tricking themselves into thinking that that's that like, oh, that no less an authority then the giant organization that puts on Comic-Con is still saying this is safe. So I'm, I'm not going to cancel my flight yet. Mm. Um, you know what I mean? Like that's a, an irresponsible attitude, I think. But as you know, these, the people, the big organizations that put on these events, they are a source of trust. Yeah. So it's, it is silly to say, yes, it took them forever to figure out, but also they should be chastised a little bit for not taking the responsibility they have as uh, uh, organizations that people look to. Yeah. Like it's, 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 um, yeah. Cause then, uh, who, who amongst the, their audience was, uh, was too, like, hopeful enough to say, well, well Comic Con's not canceled, so things aren't that bad. You yeah. Know what I mean, I mean, I, I had just assumed that all events were canceled up until like right. August or <laughs> whatever. So, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I was, wasn't surprised. I'm sure lots of people just canceled their flights and hotels and, and just assumed it was canceled. Yeah. Because of course. Right. Right. So that, you know, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's there's an argument to be um held maybe that like people were holding out hope that this the, the virus will end sooner than we think. And so yeah. like they might be able to go to Comic-Con, which maybe is like their one event that they get to sport yeah. on. Yeah. That was definitely the case with GDC originally. Yeah, like, that's back true. W- back then when GDC was uh, before it was canceled right. and people were wondering will it be canceled. Mm-hmm. Um I think there was a, you know, there was certainly a universe where GDC could have gone on yeah. uh, if, if cer- some things changed. And it's not ridiculous to have uh, back in, you know, late February thought that like, oh, you know, let's ho- cross our fingers. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, but I think at this point, I think that that, that same attitude about Comic-Con is probably not 
quite as understandable. But, you know, people like everyone's got their lives to deal with. Like yeah. it's not everyone is reading all the information. So you look to to uh, organizations and institutions to help you decide what what's happening in the world. Right? Mm-hmm. So if someone if someone really had their fingers crossed for Comic-Con and and is surprised that it, it was canceled, you know, maybe they haven't opened a looked at news lately, but like I'm not mad at that person. I'm yeah. not gonna call them dumb. I'm not gonna call them dumb. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. Like uh, not everyone is an expert. Not everyone or reads up on this stuff. Yeah. They 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 want to be told how it goes. They want they want a safe environment and yeah. yeah. They, they, and they hold they have hope. That's where I'm at really. I feel yeah. like I don't I haven't been paying attention to like Twitter or social media or anything. And like I just get news from the regular news sources instead. Yes. Uh, the 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 regular news, the evening regular news. Right. <laughs> well, not that, but <laughs> <laughs> um but like yeah, so it feels like um it's difficult to feel like you're caught up on like the happenings of things because I, I'm trying not to expose myself to too much um, depressing things, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. it's already kind of sad. So uh, mm-hmm. I'm, uh, so I'm, I'm missing out on a lot of uh, being up to date on yeah. some content because of that. Yeah, yeah it is yeah. interesting. I mean, like maintaining some degree of optimism, I think, is really important throughout mm-hmm. this. But also, you have to temper it with realism, and that's going to yeah. be a kind of a fine line to walk. But also, like the virus is going to do what the virus is going to do yeah. and the day-to-day updates are not really that in like the day-to-day reporting is not impactful in and of itself on what the virus is doing and how long this will last. It's yeah. everyone's day-to-day actions yeah. and yes. yeah. you only have control over your own. So mm-hmm. you don't need to be reading the Twitter feed about every coronavirus story and thing that's coming out minute by minute because you, you knowing all that information is not going to impact the timeline of this. Yeah, yeah, true. that's a really good, really good point. It, it it makes me think of like, um, you know, the 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 election is happening this year, mm-hmm. and the Democratic primary has had lots of news. And I was I was always thinking like, oh, I loved reading about new poll numbers, and I I, I liked it because it was interesting. But I I always knew that it was not something that I needed. I needed to know every piece of news about the election. Right. I needed to know when election day was in my home state mm-hmm. and i needed to know the uh where the candidate stood on issues and that was very important to keep up on but i didn't need to follow it day to day but it was kind of fun too right it's interesting and it's it, and that's great so in in situations like that uh like like virus news if it's enjoyable for you if you feel comfort in knowing everything then that's useful. Um, the New York Times, Slate, and other organizations are putting all of their coronavirus-related articles available for free. Mm-hmm. So if you if you really if information is something that salves you, then it's there for you. Mm-hmm. But it's not. It isn't going to have. It isn't going to help you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If that makes sense. Uh, like like Ellen was saying. And so don't torture yourself. I suppose. Yeah. And that isn't to say like don't be informed. Like be informed. Oh, exactly. But yeah, that yeah, doesn't yeah, mean yeah. you need to be like glued. Right, 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 mm-hmm. and yeah, it, it is, and everyone where that line is is different for everyone. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. That's yeah. why we're delivering the news to you right now. Yeah. <laughs> Dang it, we forgot to do that in the beginning. No, well, that's why I did it now. Okay, good. all right, let's, we're gonna have to start over. Let's rewind the tape. Okay, all right. <laughs> I'll just give you a clip of bidi 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 that you can layer over the top. <laughs>
as we as we do more of these episodes remotely and and we do take time out in in each episode to talk a little bit about how the world is mm-hmm. um i think we have to be kind of comfortable with being sort of loose and whatever about some of this too because like it is um we've talked about the pandemic uh you know not at length in every episode but mm. we've been talking about it yeah and you know we're we're a, a indie dev podcast so it's not really it's certainly not our job i don't know what, what the attitude you guys have but in mine it's like I don't know. This is this is an outlet for us. Uh, what's on our mind, and this is on our, everyone's mind. It's impacting everything. Yeah, yeah. It, it's relevant too. It's not like it's not like the pandemic is not affecting games. So yeah, yeah. But you know, this is actually something that uh, you know, in during the break, Stephen, you mentioned nicegames.club slash feedback. You know, let us know. Like, what do you want to hear from us in this arena? Yes, I think it's important for us to make sure that this is maybe therapeutic for us to weave this into the show mm. but if it's not what you listen to the show for or if it's uh in every way not therapeutic therapeutic for you we want to know that yeah um so let us know and if it's something that actually is something that you appreciate that we're not ignoring it because i think that's certainly a, an attitude that i think is a a fair attitude that i think some people are taking is to say we're your oasis from the world mm-hmm. um I- i'm not sure that that's what we are our instinct is but if that and if that isn't something you want from us, or if that's something you do want from us, let us know. Yeah, for sure. All right, back to the news. Yes. Other stuff happened, right, Stephen? I believe so. Uh, <laughs> a lot of news happened in Kotaku. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is a you know game published uh, publication. They they have a lot of news things related to games. We, we mine them for our news information. Yeah, and uh, increasingly Kotaku is part of the of the news occasionally. Yes, um, yes. Because of the various ownership changes and uh, Gamergate uh, targeted them. Right. And uh, but yeah, uh, it's uh, another step on, on on an interesting path for them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so Jason Schreier, who uh, is famous for delaying games, <laughs> is uh, well, not really. Um, is he's leaving? He's leaving Kotaku, um, which I was pretty sad about because I like a lot of his content. He's an investigative reporter, and so he would report on news like uh, what was it? The most recent thing that they talked about was how uh, Rockstar uh, is trying to change their culture of crunch mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. you know working on things over time and stuff like that. Uh, I think that was like a follow up to a big expose he did last year. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so like that was like all of those, those kinds of things are really fascinating to hear about. So I will be sad um, that he's not uh, reporting on Kotaku anymore. But his his second book, he's still working on it, right? Yes. Uh, the, he's uh, the, he he hosts the Kotaku Split Screen podcast. Yeah. So um, so I know way more about his personal life than I know any other investigative report. <laughs> His first book, Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, which is the dumbest title for like the the best book <laughs> on video game development, it's really incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, we've I think we've gone on on the show before about it, but he is um, he's almost done with his second book, which is a similar uh, uh, type of project. Um, and then uh, he hinted that he might land somewhere else. Okay. Um, and I don't know if that's going to mean another uh, existing publication. Or as is often the case when there are high-profile departures from uh, sinking media companies, uh, sometimes they go found new ones. Mm. So we'll see. Um, but the one thing that is happening is the um, the podcast he hosts with Kirk Hamilton and Maddie Myers, the Kotaku split screen, the three of them are uh, doing a new podcast uh, called Triple Click, 
which oh. is just the same podcast. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> um, and it's, it is the three of them have been uh, some of my favorite uh, podcast hosts uh, in recent years. Mm. And so it's really good to know that they're going to keep going uh, in spite of the fact that um, only Maddie Myers works for Kotaku at this point. Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. That's yeah. Cool. I mean, it's, it, it is interesting because like there's lots of media news, <laughs> you know, the Kotaku is owned by Gawker Media uh, which, you know, famously uh, win under after results of lawsuits. Yeah. And, you know, they also ha- own Gizmodo and then later um, uh, The Onion and uh, uh, Deadspin, which has been, re- uh, there's been lots of drama on lately. Mm-hmm. And they passed through a bunch of different hands. And now they're with a company called Geo Media. And we've talked about this on the show when uh, Deadspin, all their staffers quit. Right. But, um, but Kotaku seems to be, I think Jason Schreier represented kind of like, he was sort of a star of that uh, place. And, and, when he left, he made it very clear that it's because this the company that owns them is just intolerable. Mm. Nobody wants to work there. Mm-hmm. And it's really sad because Kotaku employs some of the best people in games journalism. Yeah. And they do some of the very best work. Right. And they're just a tiny part of this empire that this uh, private equity firm bought. Yeah. It is kind of like almost beside the point that Kotaku is suffering um, because that wasn't really what they were, what the, the company bought them for. Right. Um. But uh, Stephen Totillo, who's the editor-in-chief there, who I've been following for like a decade, mm-hmm. uh, I, I actually really hope he lands somewhere. I hope he doesn't just go down with that ship. Yeah. I don't know. It's, Kotaku's is like, it's a, even before it turned into a sort of investigative journalism powerhouse, it was a towering you know, uh, uh, force in games media yeah. going back forever. And mm-hmm. so it, it's kind of weird to imagine a future where it's, it's gone, but it's definitely, it's still around now, but its days are perhaps numbered yeah that's true it is yeah. sad. you're seeing symptoms yeah yes yeah yep yeah, yep yeah. exactly that mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's, it's kind of exciting in a sense because you're like oh this time next year i wonder if there'll be a new publication or you know or all these all these amazing writers will land somewhere else and they'll be given projects and because there's that time where you're you're lingering around where situation is bad and you're not doing your best work. Yeah. Um, I'm sure people who've worked in, in toxic work environments know that feeling. And so um, it's not the it's not the glory days, but it's not the uh, Phoenix rebirth either. It's mm-hmm. that the darkest before the dawn moments. And yeah. that seems to be what's happening there now. Mm-hmm. It's got to be some kind of like equivalent to the stages of grief or like the stages of the end of a company. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, other media news, um, Vox Media, which owns Polygon, uh, mm-hmm. another big uh, powering uh, um, force in games media, and also a result of a bunch of people leaving Joystick. Um, oh, yeah. Joystick? I do remember um, Joystick. <laughs> yeah, they got bought by AOL, and it, like, anyway, they had a very, and all those people left, mm-hmm. and uh, some of them went to Kotaku, and, and, uh, but, but a lot of them formed Polygon. And um, uh, Vox Media, which owns Polygon and a bunch of other really great sites, they furloughed uh, 9% of their staff. Oh, dang. And uh, uh, cut uh, benefits and, you know, mm. negotiated with their writers union um, to uh, uh, pull back expenses because they're having some troubles right now. Yeah. Um, they're actually soliciting donations on, on uh, the, their, their flagship uh, Vox uh, website, which is a, a news outlet. Um, they, don't, they don't have a paywall, but they are saying like, hey... Can you, you know, would you like to donate to our coverage? And it's kind of amazing because, you know, Vox Media is, I never understood them as hurting for cash. Yeah. So this is kind of uh, um, unfortunate. And what, what are the causes? Is it related entirely to, you know, this new era we live in? 
Um, is it just, uh, again, is just like with uh, other stories is like, how much can you attribute to what's happening now and how much of it was that this was just the lit, lit the match or whatever. Yeah. Do you, do you guys know, um, what is 9% of staff when they equate to? How many people is that? Oh, that's a good question. I can look that up. Um, well, you two fill air. Doodly, doodly, yes. doodly. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, huh. uh, it's more than a hundred people. More than a hundred people. Okay. A lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's apparently across the various uh, publications. So, uh, Vox, the the news outlet, and then uh, Polygon, The Verge, which is a tech site, uh, Eater, which is a uh, I guess they talk about food. I don't know. Mm. Uh, Recode, which is also a tech site, more mm-hmm. industry focused, and SB Nation, which is actually was the first of their sites, was a sports site. Oh, um, so sort of like uh, Gawker Media, uh, they, they're an outlet that has many verticals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 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 it looks like their 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 cuts are are spread across oh wow okay dang i mean it makes you think like you know um depending on how much related this is to this era and what does this mean they're furloughs right Mm -hmm. they were not fired yeah Um, right but they don't they don't they're not drawing a they're not drawing a paycheck for three months that's the that's the the current setup and so but what happens after those three months right Mm -hmm. i don't know but it makes you think about like um the the different industries that are affected by this era like uh and the fact that the staggering unemployment rates and, you know, those of us who work in information, uh, you know, we're information workers, the three of us are, mm-hmm. um, we don't maybe see it as much as others do, right? Yeah, that's true. It's, yeah. And that's true of this media outlets too. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, it's, uh, that's why it's kind of like, oh, really? Like, you'd, I wouldn't, I would think that news would be something that would be immune to these effects. Right. I don't know. Not, yeah. I mean, if people aren't making money because they've been furloughed or laid off, they can't pay for that. If nobody's yeah, reading, yeah. then no one's paying for subscriptions and advertisers aren't coming on board. Everything's connected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's like the sort of the macroeconomic sense of it, right? Yeah. Um, you know, the remedies are not as, uh, they're as difficult as it is to diagnose, right? Yeah. To, you know. There is no part of this situation that is easy for everyone. Although I will definitely acknowledge it's probably a lot harder for some than others. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All right. The proper games news. Yes. If you're ready to move on to that, mm-hmm. uh, this thing called Valorant, which is a Riot <laughs> Games project. Yes. It's uh, it's more than a thing. It's like uh, I guess it was like the highest or the the most watched thing on Twitch for like a couple. It's been like that for a couple of weeks now, a few weeks. Right. Um. And yeah, it's a it's a it's like a it's a first person shooter that's apparently a combination between Counter Strike and um the oh what's the Blizzard game? This Blizzard first person shooter. Overwatch. Thank you, that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like a combination of those two games. Uh, it like blends yeah. it really well. I have like a friend or two who's been play- who have played it because they got access to the beta or something, and that's how they described it. And like it's been going uh, nicely, I guess. Like people are enjoying it and stuff. But a uh, controversy that happened with it is like there is a anti cheat uh, program that gets installed with the game that turns on when you turn your computer on. It's like mm-hmm. it lays dormant and it doesn't do anything until like you uh, uh, till you turn the game on, really. But like it's meant to prevent people from like adding in um, aim bots and stuff before the game. Right, right. And it's it's fascinating specifically because uh, a lot of people were mad at Riot for it and they like described their position and they've put out a bounty um, for somebody to find an exploit of it. Mm-hmm. It's a hundred thousand dollars if you can find an exploit to this anti cheat. So who's, who's renting the bounty? 
who who's who's opening the bounty right yeah who's opening the right is okay yeah mm-hmm. so yeah uh that's like a very hefty amount of money if you can find a way into yeah uh bug bounties are are a rich tradition Mm -hmm. in software development Mm -hmm. right like uh apple google microsoft all these companies have programs where if you're a white hat hacker and you can find a a vulnerability and you bring it to these companies they will give you cash money yeah and it's it's great it's it's not really i don't think you can make a career out of it right but like but i've never heard of one with that much money yeah are you sure that's not like a pool of money that, that it comes from it's like that's what I read. It was a hundred thousand dollars. Damn, so, uh, <laughs> it's just amazing how how valuable it is to have a secure, yeah. you know, a fair game. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, so get on that, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Earn us that money. <laughs> Man, the pro- see the problem I'd have approaching something is that I do not care if anybody cheats in online games. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> like I, I've said this on the show before. Like I don't. The, I think the solution to this is to make games where no one wants to cheat. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean, and that means games that aren't so aren't so like cutthroat competitive, mm-hmm. right? If you're if you're gonna do competitive games, and maybe this isn't fair, but like especially in these times, yeah. but like ho- hold an event, have a land party or something, or 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 play with people you trust, and and that's the risk you take. Yeah. But you know, obviously this is a minority opinion. It's ridiculous, in fact. But it just seems to me that like there's so much energy wasted in people's like engineering time not coming up with interesting creative new ideas or building more innovative technical solutions instead it's just like putting bricks around the you know wall building a, a putting barbed wire up like that does not seem like rewarding work to me <laughs> I sure i mean i don't know on on the other hand this if this thing pans out and like this anti cheat software is found to be um hack proof or whatever yeah. the extent that is um <laughs> you uh like they could potentially like use this for other programs that are in the grand scheme of things more valuable right it, it, a riot can license it yeah right mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is that's how that's that's how dm drm worked mm-hmm. in the past decade mm-hmm. yeah is it was made it was made for one game or uh, uh, and then it was licensed uh and sometimes it was contracted by a third party from the beginning mm-hmm. yeah but the, the solutions were never meant to be designed specifically for one game right. right um even if they were built for one game initially there were and and there's always consumer backlash. Mm. Um, and, you know, certainly I think I think I- I- I'd be curious to know someone who is a casual player of this game. Like you were describing this utility. It just sits unused on your machine. Yeah. Um, but it's always in the background. Right. Uh, how unnerving is that? Like, or people just be like, cool with that now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's I mean, it seems to be a controversy in that some people don't care and other people's other people very much care. I kind of I mean, myself personally, it makes me uncomfortable. I know that, yeah. like, when I'm installing games, I don't know what I'm fully installing. I don't like that Steam starts up when my computer starts. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, right? If, if I'm going to play games, I'm going to open Steam. I don't need it to be there. Mm-hmm. I didn't call for you. Go back to your cave. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but I think a lot of it is the principle of the thing. Because yeah. like, I know enough about, you know, how many open processes I have on my machine to know that hundreds of them are not going to slow down my machine. Right. They're not doing anything. Right. Um, but I think people do take ex- exception to someone reaching in and having a say in what is on their machine yeah. in that way. And, and I, I, I don't begrudge them that, that, uh, that grievance. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of how I feel about it too. I, I, I think it maybe is for the best. Like if I didn't want an aim bot or whatever in my game, I don't play first person shooters, but like if I was concerned about that, then like I would want there to be some way to stop it, but I don't know how comfortable I would be with like this anti-cheat software being put on my PC. Yeah. And I think some people are bringing up the idea that Riot Games is 
uh, majority owned by Tencent, and like people are worried that like Tencent's gonna spy on you or something on your PC uh, or something. I don't. Know. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> people get paranoid, you know. I, I have I have very little sympathy for that. And as, as much as I am not any fan of big business, right. but people say this about Epic also because. Mm-hmm. Tencent. Tencent is a huge company, yeah. and they're they're desperate to be involved in the American market, right? right. In, in all sorts of different industries. Mm-hmm. Um, in both those cases, they're ju- they're really just investors, right? yeah. And yeah. Nobody work. Nobody works. And so a lot of it is from like the sort of fear of the exotic, you know. Yeah. It's it, very close to straight up racism to mm-hmm. be like, oh, I, I don't want a, a Chinese company you know, uh, infecting my computer right. because I don't trust, you know, it's like, okay, but fine. But you know, but riot has a shady background too. Yeah. Like, I don't think like, uh, like I don't trust valve. Like I don't trust any, like it, mm-hmm. it's like, how is it different? Because they're foreign. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, but that's, that's that. I mean, we can hack yeah. it and get, get a lot of money for a nice games club. That would be good. <laughs> yeah. You're really putting a, you're really riding on this. You're you're putting a lot on it. Like. I'm, I'm putting a lot on you to do it. <laughs> oh dang! <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about this game. Uh, yeah. Apparently, it's very good and people like it. It's in uh, early access. Yeah, I, I, I honestly I haven't watched much content of it, but like, yeah, yeah. It, it's in early access. So it's not out yet, and you got to have a beta key or whatever in order to do it. But yeah, a lot of people like watching it and watching it on Twitch. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like I said, it's like it's a combination of. of Oh, I keep forgetting the name of the game. <laughs> um, Counter Strike and Overwatch. Overwatch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't play over. I told you I don't play first person shooters. Evidently, <laughs> I, I know that those games are different. Yeah. You know, I I understand that there are there are fundamental differences in those games. Yes. But what you're describing is it's the, it's a cross between one shooter and another shooter, and I'm like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> That's well. It's so it's like it's like Counter. I guess it's like Counter Strike, and then it's like squad based team fighting stuff. Okay. Um. And then it also has like a bunch of skills and things that Overwatch has. Um, so like each each character you can play as I has has like a role to serve and stuff yeah. like that. And so that's the I think that's the the combination that they've reached with this game with Valorant. Right, right, right. One of the things I read that was sort of interesting is that um, uh, this is I don't know if this will last till it's an, a final release, but mm-hmm. um, the onboarding process for playing the game is that you need to actually watch other people play really before you're allowed before you're allowed in. Oh. And uh, apparently that that's an effort to reduce the toxicity in the game. Okay. Which is, seems like a, a sort of a unique. I'd be. I'm. I'm watching that as yeah. a, as, a, as a strategy because it seems like kind of a good idea. And because I mean, Riot has like a decade of like being on both sides of being of being good and bad at at <laughs> handling a toxic community. Mm-hmm. Right? Mainly bad. <laughs> I'm really yeah. yeah. I'm really curious to how that pans out because my initial reaction when you said that. Mark was the exact opposite. Like, oh, that doesn't sound yeah. like it's going to work. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you watch some videos uh, now. I can't rage at you. I guess. <laughs> I'll, I'll dig up the article about it and we'll, we'll share it with listeners. Yeah. It was a kind of, it was sort of an interesting, uh, innovative approach to, to sort of like, and I, I think we talked about this. We talked about like moderation and, and toxic, toxic communities, like having a ton of rules can sometimes work mm-hmm. and can sometimes be counterproductive. Yeah. And so ultimately we need to do is you need to encourage good behavior. And a lot of times the nature of your game is such that it creates toxicity. And as a developer, that's really hard to bring yourself to uh, to realize. Mm -hmm. And so I think this seems to be an effort to try to from jump, establish a community 
of of empathy amongst players okay um and it's it's interesting I, sure. i'm I'm sure. curious to see if mm-hmm. it will work yeah um because yeah it could easily just not be exactly the wrong thing because valve's no stranger to that or a uh, riot is no stranger to that yeah. yeah right yeah i'm curious about that all right final piece of news uh well it's it's a twofer uh it's about the ps5 um ps5 uh had some reports about um the um the uh, Sony's production capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, we talked earlier in the show, and it's been mentioned uh, for the past couple of weeks uh, in various places that uh, the the global pandemic is going to constrict production for the next gen consoles. Uh, some reports have said that like it'll kind of be okay, but they needed there's some things they have to do to to change how they're producing things. Um, in the case of the PS5, uh, the latest news is not really about that. It's more about Sony's expectations for launch, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, uh, a lot of times, these big companies, when they do big products like this, they don't just like uh, we in, in the indie space uh, unfortunately do, which is just cross, uh, stick it out in the world and cross our fingers, right? Um, yeah. You know, uh, 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 and that's apart from like marketing and planning. It's um, you know, a, there's a lot of economic expectations and pr- uh, predictions that are put into. Um, how how much are we going to produce? How much are we going to spend on marketing based on what we can, what we think will sell, and what we can build the, for the for the future for this product? And it's kind of interesting because it requires some humility, right? Mm. And this is a case where the the Sony was like, we're going to we expect to sell uh, 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 like two million fewer PS5s than PS4s did at launch, mm. and that's the that's the that's the rumor that's coming out, and uh, it's really interesting. Because the reasons for that are not are a little hazy. Yeah. As to like, other than this is something that's that's been um, discussed as to why that is. Uh, it might be stronger competition from uh, Microsoft. It might be um, the you know the fact that the PS4 is so successful. You done good, PS4. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's kind of a history between Sony and Microsoft. They kind of passed the baton. Mm-hmm. In, yeah. from generation to generation they do. and a lot a lot of that is i mean there are there are reasons uh, i think hubris is a common explanation but i don't i don't think that's that's a, a detailed enough explanation a lot of it is that the ps4 is so astonishingly successful it's like two to one or something i don't know exactly but it's it's really outsold the X, xbox one this generation mm-hmm. and i think it, it like no one needs a ps5 <laughs> kind of well it right? sounds like they're targeting pre- it's like a premium product Kind of like how the PS3 was sort of, well, not marketed per se. I don't know if it was marketed as a premium product, but it was very expensive. And so a lot of like the memes at the time when, I don't know, 2007 or whenever that was, I don't know if he had, yeah, if yeah, he yeah. had memes per se, but um, <laughs> a lot of it was like, what? This thing is $600. I'm never buying that, you know? Um, and so I think that like, it sounds like the PS5 is going to be um, nearly that expensive or just so. Or even more so, I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. And so, like uh, that can be that. I think that might be their their factor in it. Like, they're uh, I think a lot of it um, is like they wanted to make this thing very powerful and uh, add in the features to make it uh, worth the purchase versus the PS4. Yeah. But because they had to add all these features in, it it, be, it ballooned the price of the console, and so like they have to sell it at this price in order to make any money out of it, or in order to justify the console. So I'm going to jump in here. So I'm going to, with this question, also probably display some of my news ignorance, but everyone knows about that already. So (laughs) Um, does it have something to do with like launch titles though? When I think of the PS4, 
I think of so many of the great, like exclusive titles that were released for that system yeah, over the years. Yeah. And it, what's the draw to get a PS5 right out of the gate? If there's still all these amazing titles, some of which, you know, I'm sure people who've had PS4s for years still haven't gotten around to playing. What's the draw of going to get a PS5 when those games are going to run just fine on what you have and you haven't played them yet? Yeah. And I think launch launch lineups are always a point of contention, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like the Wii U struggled with with a, a, a not incredible launch lineup. Yeah. The PS4 had, it was okay. I think, I think so. Uh, yeah. the, the joke was that its flagship title was Knack. Right. Right. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> and I think part of that is because there were a number of uh, games that got delayed. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I think uh, like Xbox One, I think there was a Forza game. Was there a, was there a Halo out of the gate? I don't remember. I don't think so. Um, it was a hundred years ago. Yeah, <laughs> it was. <laughs> but I think I think the PS4. I think Ellen. I think your your memory is is of that first year of the PS4. Mm-hmm. I think it did it did quickly pile on a bunch of great titles. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it was right out of the gate. It had a, a super super. I'm just remembering when I got my PS4. It, it was a while before there were a lot of games. I played. Mm-hmm. That just might be to my taste. Yeah. But yeah, no PS5 game has been announced. Not a single one. Right. Um, there are things like, oh, well, there's definitely going to be Last of Us 2. They're working on that port, no doubt. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever. Um, and, you know, Cyberpunk 2077 is definitely going to be on it. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I made excited hand motions. <laughs> there's no there's no announced exclusives as far as I know. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't think there's been anything really explicitly announced for the PS5. Um, and whereas with Xbox One, there hasn't been that many announcements, but there's supposed to be a new Halo that'll be out during the launch window. Halo Infinite, right? Right. But but Halo Infinite will also come to Xbox One. Sure. But it's going to launch it. But yeah, even yeah, it's funny that that's actually the impression. Even the way I was describing it, uh, Xbox um, Series X, there really isn't any either. Yeah. That have been that have been announced as, as exclusive as launch titles. Yeah. But you know, I guess that's when uh, the E3, which is not happening. Around that time is when we would be learning all this. I right? suppose. Fair That's point. Right. Fair point. And and at, and at that point, it will feel like we always knew it. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the PS5, it's gonna. They, you know, the 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 rumor is that it's gonna sell for um <clears throat> for four ninety nine or or five fifty, which oh, okay. is a uh, hundred dollars more than the PS4, I think. Yeah. And that's what that's what the Xbox One launched at. Oh. And which is one of the reasons, well, because it included the Connect. Oh right. And so uh, there there's some concern there, I think. I think it might be the Xbox Series X might undercut it in price. Um, and, and Sony may just be like resigned to that reality. Mm-hmm. And, and that might be part of why this, the, the, their uh, expectations are a little bit lower. But it is kind of, it is interesting, like that sort of handing off back and forth. Yeah. Right. Like is the, the Xbox is, Microsoft has made so many gamer friendly moves, but they're still f- distant second place this generation. Mm-hmm. But I think they have a lot of, they have a lot of like positive press. Yeah. And I, th- I think that might translate to once it's, once it's time for gamers to pick a new console, I think it might uh, backwards compatibility notwithstanding, because this next generation is going to be very good for players to bring their existing libraries. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be a motivation for people the way it hasn't been in the past. Yeah. But yeah, it might just be like, oh, well, I, I'll, I'll jump over to Microsoft, I guess. Yeah. Uh, because they seem like they know what they're doing. And that, that monolith looking cube looks great. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So, I mean, I'm actually awaiting the ps5 news because i want one i want an xbox series x i just want all one of each of these things Uh i I, we were talking before the show started about like you know people have a lot of emotional affinity for 
their the horse they pick yeah. in this in, in the console war. And I find that funny, but but that's just because like I I like them all. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. you get them all. <laughs> yeah, and I think most developers feel that way. Like mm-hmm. even if even if you have what a favorite, like you you see the value in all of this, right? right? Um, I do have a sympathy for people who they picked one and then not just to justify their choice. There's a there's an emotional reality to it, mm-hmm. right? That you 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 want to you want your team to win. Yeah. Right. Because then you, you benefit from it. Right. And, and that and then it leads you down the path of like, you know, taking things more seriously than you should, I suppose. Yeah. But uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm maybe uh, looking forward to it in the sense that it'll be a bit of a circus. The first <laughs> couple of months of people uh, saying who, who's winning or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm going to I'm going to I'll get them maybe not at launch, but pretty soon after just for no other reason that I, I love new hardware. Um Speaking of the the one thing that we know about the PS5 is what its controller looks like. Yeah, are you guys hmm. as excited as I am about that? I honestly, I like the way that this controller looks. Yeah, it looked it, really nice. Yeah, it looks like mm-hmm. it looks future. It looks futuristic in the way that the 2000s thought the future would look like. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> yes, that's exactly it. And so I love it for that reason because <laughs> uh-huh. I miss that aesthetic. <laughs> That's funny. That's that is a, I 100% agree with you. Yeah. Um and I don't like it that oh. much. <laughs> well. <laughs> I I mean I live for controllers. I love controllers so much. Mm-hmm. Um uh but uh, this one just looks like it looks like a concept render. Like mm. every time uh, when when new consoles come out you always see fan renders like 3D models of like what they think they would look like and they yeah. all look like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, like, like I said, it, it reminds me of 2000s future aesthetic. So like, yeah, it does yeah. seem like it does kind of feel like that, like fan made thing. But I, yeah, I like, yeah. I like, I, like I said, I miss that aesthetic. So like it, I, I enjoy the, the look of this controller, though. I don't yeah. know about the actual, like the ergonomics of the controller. I don't know how it will feel to like hold. It has kind of a Xbox one shape. Yeah. The, the handles are, are a little bit fuller. Which is interesting. Um, I, I I like both. I like the the PlayStation Four controller. I like the way it's shaped. Okay. Um, and I like the Xbox One as well. But they are, are definitely different. Yeah. Um, I like them both, and I, I'm actually kind of disappointed that they're they're converging. I kind of oh. like that they're different. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, maybe that's maybe that's more aesthetic than anything else. But um, yeah, kind of interesting. They they described it as it feels smaller in your hands than it is. Mm. I guess. Okay. Mm. Which is like that seems like it's a sort of buzzwordy. I guess like yeah. it's. Uh, uh, marketing speak, I suppose, but like you know, that's that's their their um their explanation for why the the shape is so different. The like the play uh PlayStation one, two, and three famously had almost identical controllers. Yeah, and the, everyone hated the PS three controller because it really looked old fashioned, mm. like it wasn't evolving. Yeah, and the PS four controller felt like a really a perfect reinvention of of that of the PlayStation aesthetic, but with a brand new controller. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Whereas the Xbox controllers, up until the Series X one, which is almost identical to the Xbox One controller, uh, each generation was quite different. The first one, 360 and Xbox One, all very different. But because the PlayStation had the pretty much the same uh, same look, same product design for three generations, it was a tall order for them to reinvent it for the for the DualShock 4. And it, they did a fantastic job. And this one is just like, it just looks like a third part. I don't know. I, I, I'll get used to it. I'll get used yeah, to it. Yeah, it doesn't. You're right, though. It doesn't really seem to to draw from that the the history of the design language, like the design yeah, history yeah. of the controller. It does feel. Sure. Like, I mean, it's got an X button and a square <laughs> button. Yeah, yeah. Those. It's got it, it's got the touchpad. 
It yeah. does yeah. not have a start button because no controllers have start buttons now. Yeah. Like, good luck being able to figure out what the heck the symbols are, you know? It is kind of strange because I think we still, the nomenclature is still start and select. Yeah. And I think you just do the translation in your head. Yeah. But like, it, on, on Xbox, it's called view and menu. Yeah. Ever, and that is the standard controller for PCs as well now. Yeah, it is. Have you ever heard anybody say that? No. no. <laughs> right? No. Yeah. It's, it's start and select. And even and prior to that, on the 360 controller, it was start and back. Right. Right? But nobody called it that. They no. called it select yeah. because that's what it is. It's yes. start and select. Yes. 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 Like, just <laughs> name the things what people call them. You don't need yeah. to name the things. Yeah. I think yeah. it's meant because it like serve they serve different they might serve different purposes in this new generation. Well, because like the PS4 or the PS4 had a share button, PS5 has yeah. a share button too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so like maybe it's they're not trying called the share button. They've changed the name. They changed the name. What are they? It's, it's, the, it's the same. It's the same button, but it's called Create now. Uh, I think that's because ever since PlayStation bought, ever since Sony bought Media Molecule, uh, creators of Little Big Planet, mm-hmm. they've been trying to make this create philosophy as part of their corporate brand for playstation uh remember they they the mod nation racers Mm -hmm. uh was a game it was i don't know who made it um but it was a a really good game didn't your brother love that yeah my brother loves that game and it was part uh, a sony branded it as part of the create uh series and they wanted to have a bunch of games under the banner and 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 they didn't it didn't really go that far yeah but that's always been something that they sort of kept in their back pocket as something they want playstation to be about Mm. And so they changed the name of the share button, and they were the first to to make one of these. Yeah, right, right. Um, they just changed the name to create, but it just does the same thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> just takes a screenshot, and that's you know. Yeah. That's what most people use it for. <laughs> I don't know. This just start select. That's all I need. Yeah. <laughs> just call them what they are. Just don't yes. Yeah. Grumble, grumble. <laughs> Some interesting new features. Uh, this thing does have some interesting new features. Mm-hmm. So um, the, the 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 create button, which right. is not really a new feature. Yeah. Um, it also has a uh, haptic uh, um, uh, rumble in it. So oh. closer to, I'm not sure what the tech is, but mm-hmm. it's closer to what the uh, Joy-Cons use, oh. the HD rumble and the Joy-Cons, okay. which uh, ha- you and I have both developed with those. Right. And we've talked about it. And uh, I love that. Yeah. I think it's fantastic That's technology mm-hmm. and very much underused. And so we'll see if um, Sony uh, PlayStation 5 developers uh, will, will take better use of that or if it will have a similar uh, technology or if it will be at all easier to to use. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But also, uh, they talked about you know, having um, uh, individual feedback for the triggers, which is something the Xbox One controller has, right. um, which is a separate rumble motor uh, for each trigger so that you can kind of, they, desc- they describe examples like feeling the, the creak of the bow as you pull it back or the, 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 um, the, the haptic of, of a, of a, of a, um, of a brake pedal in a racing game. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because when they describe those examples, I'm like, that's exactly what Microsoft's press release said in 2012 <laughs> when, when they put the feature in the Xbox one, um, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. But with that being standard across both of the high end consoles, maybe developers will start using it. Finally. We'll see. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I hope so. Yeah, actually that, that's a good point. Like they'll gain more experience just, you know, developing it for both of them. Mm-hmm. And like, they can potentially uh, expand the usage of it to the point where, like, it is valuable to have it on. You know? yeah, 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 yeah. That'd be good. Um, and you know, and again, having uh, you know, high-profile games with good examples and 
that are cross-platform and it just hopefully makes it just easier for developers to not ignore that feature. Yeah, totally. You know, cool. the last thing that I find interesting and nobody's talked about this. So I feel like I, this is a, a speculation on my part, but okay. I think it's relatively well-informed. So the PlayStation 4 controller famously has a light bulb on the back of it, right? Right. The, the light bar. Uh-huh. And, you know, hardcore gamers are not a big fan of it because they, they want to play in the dark, I guess. And they don't like that. And you can't turn the light off, right? Yeah. And it has two f- functions, right? This has kind of been by the wayside, but it's two main functions as designed were one, to know what player you are, mm-hmm. right? Because instead of, because the uh, uh, previous PlayStation controllers, it, like like current Nintendo ones or in past ones as well, have an array of lights to let yeah. you know if I'm player one, two, three, or four. Yeah. But the idea of player one is now, and player two is now antiquated. Like the Xbox yeah. One doesn't have that indicator on it, uh, 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 like the it 360. Doesn't, yeah. And I know as a P, when you make PC games, that's very frustrating. Mm-hmm. Right? I, I remember years ago, just like the Xbox One controller thing, like which one is this? Right. Like, you know, <laughs> that's less of a problem on consoles, I suppose, because they're tied to account. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was one of the reasons for the light bar. The second one was because was so that the PlayStation camera could track you. Mm. And so one of the cool features of the PlayStation 4 at launch was that you could pick up the controller and you could hold it up in, in a way. And then the camera would recognize uh, you and let you and, and assign the controller to you because you, it, it took a picture of you and, and knew your face. Yeah. And so you could just grab a controller, turn it on, and then it would be assigned to your profile, even if there were three other players in the room with three other controllers. Mm-hmm. And that was a cool feature that no one used because no one bought the PlayStation camera. Right. But in anticipation of that as well, uh, in anticipation of PlayStation VR, the light bar is also trackable by the, the, the PlayStation camera in 3D space because the light bar is shaped like a triangle. Mm-hmm. So the camera senses distance by how big the triangle is. Ah. Right? So that's, this is how the move controllers work as well because they're these giant glowing balls. Right. So uh, th- there is some 3D vision. Uh, in the PlayStation camera, but a big part of it is actually the size of it in the in the space. It's kind of a clever, simple idea. Mm-hmm. So the the uh, PlayStation controllers track like that as well. And there are a couple of VR games that very effectively use the the normal controller in 3D space, the way you really can't get in any other VR system. Okay, so that's a big preamble to let you know that the there is no light bar on the PS5 controller. Oh, there is lights. That, that circle the touchpad yeah. and they light up in the same color. And the current version of the PS4 controller has a little light shining through the touchpad as right. well. Yep. And they describe it in the press release as just an interesting way of the designing it. But it's also, it's, there, it's more prominent on the front of the controller now. And what that tells me is one of two things. One, that they're abandoning tracking the controller for PSVR, mm. uh, which it's a it's a bummer, but at the same time, there not a ton of games used it. Okay. But here's the thing: backwards compatibility is very important. So what happens? And they and they have said that PSVR is going to be part of the PlayStation Five, yeah. and existing PSVR games will be, you know, hopefully many of them will work. So what about games that required that, or yeah. games that used it even without having a, a, a VR setup? What that tells me is the next version of PlayStation VR is going to have inside out tracking. It'll have the cameras in the headset and not oh. on top of your television. Mm-hmm. Oh. So that my big long preamble was to that. I feel like that is something I've not heard anywhere, mm. but I feel like that's a very good. I feel like it's a good guess. Okay. Um, because inside out tracking on, on, on VR headsets is more and more standard. Yeah. I think the index, the valve index is the only 
current mainstream VR headset that doesn't do that now. Mm. And certainly the next generation of, of that product will, I'm uh, certainly probably likely be inside out as well. And so I suspect that the next uh, PlayStation VR headset will also have inside out tracking because you don't see that light bar on the controller anymore. You heard it here first. Yeah, you heard it here first if it's true. <laughs> we should clip that. And so then when it does end up being the case, uh, yeah. then people will know that Nice Games Club was the first one. <laughs> I feel like I'm like, oh, that's I haven't heard that from anybody. But also like maybe it's such an unremarkable observation. Like it could be that everyone's like, oh, that's probably the case. So who cares? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> That that might be why I haven't heard it. It's yeah. because it's like, duh. Well, we can just claim first and it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, sure we can. <laughs> and that's our show. If you liked it, leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast app and tell all of your friends too. If you are interested in any of the topics we talked about in the episode, make sure to check out our website, nicegames.club, for more show notes and links to resources. Like with playtesting our games, we are always looking for feedback on the podcast. You can go to nicegames.club slash feedback to tell us what you think. Get in touch with us on Twitter at NiceGamesClub, where Dale tweets game dev resources and pictures of cats, or by email at contact at nicegames.club. Ask us questions or give us suggestions for topics. So until we start again, remember to play nice and make nice. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.